This is the Men 2 Podcast with Scott and Mick. On this week's episode, we talk about AOC costing the state of New York 25,000 jobs, Kara Swisher's son has a YouTube problem, and the Australian Labor Party tries on a minimum wage increase. My son, who's uh, 13 years old, um, started watching Ben Shapiro videos, and he's like the gateway drug to the next group, and then it goes right to Jordan Peterson, then it goes down, and in three clicks, he was at neo-Nazi stuff. It was, like, astonishing, and then I had to listen to it at dinner. And then I've got, like, this kid who's like, well, Ben Shapiro's sort of smart. I'm like, no, he's not. No, he's not, not even slightly. He's clever, but he's an idiot. And anyway, it's just, like, it's exhausting. But it has, like, a huge effect on them. So as we just heard, that was Kara Swisher speaking at the Lesbians Who Tech Summit with CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki. So what was your, I was kind of wondering about this, um, did they invite you along? Because I was, I thought you might have been a good speaker at this conference. I was invited uh, as someone who identifies as a lesbian. Yep. Um, but I've wanted to I, identify as a lesbian too it, sometimes. Look, it's, it, I can recommend it. Really? It gets you all kinds of privileges. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's good. We'll do that next time. How about, uh, what about the White Men Who Tech Summit? Uh, no, but I did attend the White Men Who Vacuum Summit. Oh, that was interesting. Really? Uh, yeah. Yep. Is that how you hurt your back? Yeah. Well, I was wondering about that. I mean, it's isn't it sort of an exercise in mediocrity? Like, lesbians who tech, uh, white men who cook on weekends. What? Why? Why are we doing this? I'd attend that conference. That sounds pretty good to me. I mean, is that... I, I, I guess, guess I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't looked into how <laughs> this summit came about. It's not the first one. They've done it a couple of times by the looks of it. I saw some photos from an earlier one. Mm-hmm. But... I'm assuming it wasn't kind of pajama parties and pillow fights and things like that. No, but oh. it was, you know, of course, there's always these women who do this, women who do that. I, I find this a really strange development. Like, it seems to me to be condescending. It's like, look, women can do a thing. So? <laughs> Just do it. You know, the men are not out there saying, men who are pilots have a conference because they're men. It's, why? Why, why do this? It seems to be sort of a, a deep insecurity complex or something going on. Mm. Well, for those people that don't know who Kara Swisher is, she is a prominent Silicon Valley tech journalist and obviously a lesbian uh, who was married to... And an SJW. Well, clearly, I don't call her a journalist. She's an activist mm. um, who covers Silicon Valley tech issues. And she was formerly married to um, Megan Smith, who was... A VP at Google and also the CTO, the Chief Technical Officer of the USA under Barack Obama. Yeah. And they now apparently are divorced and have two sons. Yeah, and she knows. So people, I saw some people saying, why the hell is the CEO of YouTube, you know, talking to people like this when they could be talking to somebody else? She's known Wojcicki for 18 years. They go back a long way. So they've got... A relationship, not that kind of relationship, Nick. Well, you don't ever know. Um, yeah, exactly. So they've been pals for quite some time. So this is yeah. sort of a, a friend doing a favour for a friend, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Well, it's not the first time they've they've had a sort of Q and A pod, live podcast like this. Um, I think they had one uh, maybe last year where they were talking about the James Damore, the infamous James Damore gender memo yeah. uh, around Google, and uh, I guess again for people who don't really know who have been living under a rock and haven't heard of James Damore, um, he he wrote a, uh, what was it, a kind of a memo that was yeah. just, I think he was complaining that he was being forced to attend. Uh, no, um, no, but this, this, no, this, this is a really important part. Mm-hmm. 
he was writing in response to a diversity um, workshop that he yeah, that's to, right, yeah. and where they solicited feedback. So he didn't he didn't just write this out of like I, I'm annoyed. They solicited feedback. If they had said we don't want feedback, he probably wouldn't have never written this memo. I mean, this was in direct response for an ask for a, asking for feedback. They just didn't like this kind of feedback. Is this like the Twitter lawyer who was on uh, Joe Rogan who, after Tim Pool schooled <laughs> her about how conservatives were being banned over and over again, she finally just, just said, thanks for your feedback. Yeah. yeah End of conversation. Yeah, yeah no, she, she's just an NPC, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Swisher, Swisher is notable for uh, some of her recent tweets, and I think she had some some ones when the whole thing about the Covington kids happened. Oh yeah, and uh, and it's not the first time she's mentioned her son either. She uh, this tweet was right when the Covington thing happened, and uh, she said, "And to all you aggrieved folks who thought this Gillette ad was too much bad men shaming, after we just saw it come to life with those awful kids and their fetid, smirking, harassing that elderly man on the mall." Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Which she then followed up with Nazi Youth 2019. Mm. She and did. There's, other, there's other tweets that are deleted, but the, you can't actually find the original tweet because the person who photoshopped them, he, their account has now been suspended. Well, she did She did walk them back and say yeah. that she, you know, she she did walk them back and she, she did apologize for them. Well, mostly. Um, and another time she's mentioned her son was when the uh, Gillette ad came out yeah. and her tweet read, just for the record, I still like the ad. Even if my son thinks it is awful man-shaming, mm. he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. But he is right when he told me yesterday to stop being on, stop being mad on Twitter. Yeah. So the thing about her, her is that, okay, she, she has the ability for self-reflection by the sounds of it. She can actually say, oh, I was wrong about something. But what worries me is the way she just talks. She has this stream of consciousness just saying whatever comes into her mind at the moment. It's not thought out. How many times did she say like? Oh, well, I counted in one paragraph of four lines long. I think there was nine likes in that. And apparently people going on about how articulate she is and how smart she is. Just like, where is where is this manifest? I, I don't see it. But she, the way she speaks, like, it would worry me that if if she speaks the way she said she speaks to her son, like, oh, no, Ben Shapiro's an idiot. Oh, maybe he's a clever idiot, but he's an idiot. Or... Yeah, you're just wrong about that ad. I mean, is she saying that at the dinner table or is she actually having conversations with him? Because it, in a strange way, what she's doing is she's playing into exactly what people like Shapiro says she would do, which is not engage with facts, just call people names, play bigotry bingo, make emotional arguments. And, I mean, if you want to convince your son not to watch Shapiro and Peterson, you're going to have to come armed with some facts and evidence because yeah, that's, that's right. what they do. Even yeah. though, I mean, of course, Shapiro and Peterson are obviously wrong about some things, but you're going to have to come up with some arguments, some, mm. for, some evidence. Well, it's, it, sound, it sounds like she doesn't have those arguments. It sounds like her 13-year-old son actually has better critical thinking skills than she does. Yeah. If she can't convince a 13-year-old why he's wrong about something, yeah. and I mean, look, he may be just a stubborn kid. Yeah. And she may also be very stubborn. I mean, I know as a 13-year-old, it was, oh, of course. you know, we it's hard to take advice from your parents. But yeah. if he's going on YouTube and, and searching for these reasoned, logical thinkers who are men, yeah, it shows that he is being swayed by a logical argument. And it's great. It's great. I mean, of course, we don't know. As you said, she's married in like 2012 or something to some other tech person. 
they got divorced in 2017. So we don't know what kind of male role models this kid in, has in his life. Maybe he has some. Maybe he has, you know, she's got great... We, we, we have no idea. But if this kid is looking for male role models, and I think it's great that he found Shapiro and Peterson. Absolutely. He's, he's on the right track at 13 yeah. years old. He's he's doing much better than I was at 13 years old. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, you know, we didn't have YouTube when we were 13. No. Probably things would have been a lot different for us if we did. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I I think that um, you know I, I, the thing that sort of grinded me about this this whole thing was the fact that she's even talking about him. I mean, this is a thirteen year old kid. Yeah, and she's she's saying things about him like he's lost. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I just don't well, understand what kind of parent would expose their kid like that I, and I, shame them. Yeah, publicly. I mean, I can imagine that exact conversation happening in confidence. But is this has this kid heard this podcast? Um, well, I'm, I bet, you know, you'd have to think that someone's, if he hasn't yeah. heard it, someone's going to tell him about yeah, it. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, did you hear what your mum said? Plus, people are making, so, you know, I made a video about it. Dave Cullen, who runs Computing Forever, made a video about it. He, he gets way more views. I mean, his his video got fifty or 60,000 views, probably more by now. So, it, it's on YouTube, and I'm sure that Dave and I are not the only ones who talked about it. There's probably heaps more videos on YouTube about well, it. Well, Ben Shapiro talked about it, so, well, you know, you pro- that's probably how her son saw it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's it's kind of funny that you know the way that kids are rebelling these days is by you know being sort of conservative and following conservatives where it, when it used to be sort of mm. they would you know get into heavy metal and paint their fingernails black and be goths. Yeah, be yeah. goths. It's it's kind of it's kind of well, I don't know what what is it exactly. It's just a, it's a complete one eighty from when we were kids, where you know being a rebel was kind of cool. Being conservative is not cool. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I mean. Swisher was saying, you know, sort of jokingly to Wojcicki saying that, well, as soon as I saw that my son was watching Ben Shapiro and he was three clicks away from neo-Nazis, yeah. I wanted to kill Susan Wojcicki. I mean, she was saying it jokingly. Of course, yeah. It was obviously jokingly. But I mean, you know, there is some some truth to the fact that she was upset about it. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, what what's her job as a parent? I mean, is it is it is it YouTube's job? to teach her kid morals and values or is it her job? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just one of the, again, one of those things. I think the, the further along we go down the timeline, the more people want to shunt off responsibility for everything onto someone else, whether it's, whether it's the government or whether it's schools or. Yeah. um, Because everybody and particularly women, you know, you, you're supposed to have a career and, stick your kid into daycare and <clears throat> that's going to take care of them. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I've spent quite a bit of time in Silicon Valley and I've seen the way that kids are raised, generally raised over there. And, and mm. you know, the parents are busy and they, they all work and they have to because it's yeah. so bloody expensive to live there. I mm-hmm. mean, it's one of the most expensive places in the world to live. Um, most of them have, you know, full-time nannies <laughs> and they're predominantly, they end up predominantly being the, the uh, child raisers. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just think it's weird that you know she only really heard about it at the dinner table. Yeah. Like, where was she? she the, kid, the kid's thirteen years old. Why does he have free access to the internet? And she knows, surely, before he started talking about the dinner table, she knows who Ben Shapiro is. You couldn't not. Of course she does. Right. Yeah. And and how did she not think that? Oh, Ben Shapiro's very popular. He's got the most popular conservative show in the United States. That everybody posts their stuff on YouTube. How is your son? not coming across this. Surely mm. you know this. Back to your point about neo-Nazis, that that uh, he watches Ben Shapiro, then it's to Jordan Peterson, and three, three clicks, clicks, it's neo-Nazi stuff. I mean, this is... What does she think neo-Nazi stuff is? 
I mean, does she think PewDiePie is neo-Nazi? I think what, it's anyone, anyone, anyone who votes for Trump, I think, is the uh, general definition. Yeah, the deplorable. So any, it, it's like I don't think I've ever seen anything come up in my feed, recommended feed, that was real white supremacist propaganda. I mean, um, I mean, I rarely get a uh, recommendation from some, for something like Stephen Molyneux, who is someone who will talk about, say, racial IQ, right? And so is that what she thinks is neo-Nazi? I, I very much doubt whether any of that happened. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my take on it. I mean, what, what does she want to do? Does she want to be able to filter her son's YouTube feed so it only gives her, him the videos that she wants, like the kind of videos, like he should only be watching feminist videos and yeah. here's a list of people he shouldn't be watching. Well, it does I mean, strike me as um, a very feminist thing to do, which is to just want to control what everybody can see and watch and what kind of porn you're allowed to look at, if you're allowed to look at porn at all. Oh, men, you know, like these poor incels who can't get laid then go and get, um, you know, what are they, these um, the new sex dolls? And they don't want you to have those either. They, didn't, they just want you to, they don't want is you to have anything. Is that why you're so angry at the world? <laughs> it's just, but they're just, oh, they're, they're nuts. I mean, they. it's almost like because they're upset and angry and not happy, they just want to make everybody else the same way. It's like, like the whole sex doll thing. I mean, you could do a podcast on that. It's like, isn't it? Do we need to have one in here while while we're doing the podcast? Probably, yeah. yeah. And and have it switched Video. on so yep. it's all warm inside and all the rest of it. But um, isn't that weird though? That feminists constantly complain about the levels of sexual violence, domestic violence. It's like, okay, here's a guy. He's going to buy a robot, you know, put it in his house. Like he can do whatever he wants to it, and so he's not going to go out and act on you know flesh and blood women i mean this surely this is a good thing no you know why because he might enjoy himself (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. interestingly through there uh as that interview went on um the susan wajiki mentioned that they were changing their recommendation engine and I think one of her quotes was something along the lines of, we just made a change to how we handle recommendations mm. where we have readers. The readers go through and we make sure they're representative from all parts of the US. And then we publish the guidelines and those readers then identify a set of videos that they think. The, the way she talks is yeah. just, she's not a good speaker. Well, this is, this, um, is, this is the problem. If you're a YouTuber, you know this problem, which is the vague language YouTubers always yeah. use. Well, she can't even explain it. And she says something about that there's 1% the, of these recommended videos that brush up against the community guidelines. Yeah. And then she says, so what we do is we identify this with a set of them with humans. I don't even know what that means. And then we use machines and machine learning to expand. And based on that, we are basically very unlikely to recommend that. Yeah, see, so... Uh, I mean, this again. This is another podcast about what YouTube does, their guidelines and everything. So she says they have a representative sample of people. So they're trying to say that, well, we have a politically representative sample of people, so it's not biased. But your guidelines are biased. That's the problem. Yeah, we've and seen I think the that, guidelines. Yeah, and the people who are programming these algorithms that do the machine learning are, also are always going to be biased. They're yeah. all Silicon Valley. Yeah, you know, ninety-five percent of them are going to be liberals. Yeah. So, I mean, there's an easy. It's an easy test to do. I mean, you can put out pretty much anything about men. Like, I put out a video once saying men are their own worst enemies or something like that. Now, if you put out, if you just change it to women, you'll probably get demonetized. 
and it might get reviewed and you might get remonetized, but it'll get flagged immediately as problematic. Hmm. There's, there's, there's a political bias. There's a definitely a gender bias with YouTube videos. It's, it's, and, and like you said, she doesn't even explain it well because she says, brush up against the community guidelines. So they're not actually breaching the community guidelines. So leave them alone. Hmm. But with the recommendations <clears throat> thing, I don't know if this is happening to me, but my videos, have, my view counts have just fallen like a stone. Now, it could be I'm putting out topics that people aren't interested in. They don't care. Um, some, you know, I don't know. It could be that people are all caught up with other issues. What percent, I mean, what percentage are we talking about here? Like 50% drops. So your view counts drop And actually, 50%. the latest video I put out had, um, I would say, closer to 60 70% drop in view counts. Right. The monetization hasn't changed, so... Uh, most of those, well, all of them are monetized. One of them was demonetized and I had to appeal it and it got remonetized after all the views had already happened, mm. which is always the case with YouTube. Yep. But that hasn't changed. But yeah, I'm, I don't know if it's because I'm not being recommended. I mean, still, I had, a, I had someone show up yesterday in my comment section who said, oh, you're back, meaning you're back making videos. Yeah. I've actually been back for six months and three months sort of regular regular videos hmm. and people say oh you're back <laughs> it's like you called me up and said oh my videos have dropped by 50 percent yeah and i said well it's probably because they've changed the recommendation engine mm. and i think even you've mentioned to me before that um most of your videos aren't watched by your own subscribers they're mostly yeah. watched from people who aren't subscribed to your channel yeah yeah that's yeah that's the case especially mm. especially the ones that get the most views yep. which makes sense right because it sort of goes semi-viral or whatever mm. and it's mostly people who aren't subscribed to you and if you've got a video that's got a million views and you've got a hundred thousand subscribers well obviously yeah the people watching it are, aren't your subscribers or they've unsubscribed after watching the video The Australian Labor Party will change the rules used by the Fair Work Commission to set the minimum wage to lift it above the unfair rate of $18.93 an hour, Bill Shorten has said. Yeah, she'll shorten. Yeah, I mean, this is a typical populist policy that you expect from the Labor Party to come out with. It's it's for the economically illiterate out there. You know, they think, oh, they're going to give me more money. More that's, money. That's awesome. I love more money. Yeah, it's, 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 it sounds great. Uh, of course, what they don't say is they're going to make it harder for businesses to make money and stay in business and give you that job that no, you have. No, no, no. You see, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. It's these businesses, they, they have lots of money. <laughs> and they're just they're just hauling Tight it rods. all away and just screwing over the workers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but again, you know, it, if you say, okay, well, what they're arguing for is a almost 11% pay rise over two years in two installments. I think 6% this year and then the, the remainder of the year after. Now, well, if... If this is if if you can do this, if you can just raise people's standards of living and give them better lives by giving them pay rises for nothing, then why not increase their wages a hundred percent? Why not just double their wages? Surely that would help office? them out. I'd vote for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and of course the obvious answer is well, if you did that, then yeah. businesses would go to business, and now you don't have a job. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's exactly exactly what. And and we've seen this, you know, over history. The same, the same populist rubbish mm. about raising, you know, it's just, it's a vote grab. Yeah. You know, there's an election coming up in Australia in a couple of months and they're just, you know, they're, they're trying to find all these extra votes. Yeah. And as we've seen over time, over history, every time a government does this, what happens? It just ends up with low people who are low skilled and mm -hmm. um, at the lowest end of the wage scale, they end up being becoming unemployed in higher rates. 
Yeah. Um, happened in the in the fifties in the U.S. The minimum wage was raised from seventy five cents to a dollar, and the unemployment rate of African American teenagers shot up from eight percent to something like twenty or twenty five percent. Let me go back before that. So I mean, um, let let let's do a little bit of history on that because Thomas Sowell, the conservative, I like Thomas. I love him. Tommy He's S. Fantastic. Um, now he he put together this sort of timeline. So FDR, as part of the National Recovery Act established a federal minimum wage of 25 cents an hour in 1933. The Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional, threw it out in 1935. Good on the Supreme Court. Mm. But then they wrote it into law in 1938. It was still 25 cents an hour. Was this part of the New Deal? Well, yeah. it's Well, the National Recovery Act, which was part of the New Deal, right. that got thrown out of the Supreme Court. Then 1938, they write it into law. It's still 25 cents an hour. And you think, <clears> well, that... But you remember... The Great Depression happened in 1937. There was another really deep, nasty recession, you know, on a scale of probably probably worse than the financial crisis we had a decade ago. And so wages hadn't gone anywhere, so they, they bring it back in at 25 cents. Then by 1941, they raise it to 40 cents an hour. Now, of course, in the intervening years, they don't raise it again until 1949. But what happens in the intervening years? The war, the economy booms because you have you know the, the build-up to the war. Um, so by 1949, you, the minimum wage is still 40 cents, and black youth unemployment is lower than white youth unemployment. In 1949, they raise it from 40 cents to 75 cents. because. And now his point is that the minimum wage had been rendered obsolete. Because the the natural growth in the economy, the, the demand for wages had gone through the roof, and so employers had to pay people more. So the the minimum wage was just rendered completely ineffective. It, it wasn't paying anyone. Everyone was getting more than the minimum wage anyway. So how do you put people out of work? Well, raise the minimum wage up. Yeah. So what you're saying is that uh, booming economy plus um, competition for jobs actually increases wages. Yeah. Without government intervention. Amazing, isn't it? <sighs> Gosh. Market forces yeah. at work. Yeah, that's a surprise. Well, I mean, there's there's been other ones. There was uh, in this 1968, um, the minimum wage in the US was raised from 125 to 160 an hour. Again, mm-hmm. you just saw rates of unemployment increase in the lower skilled sections of yeah. the communities. Um, and most recently, I think New York is probably the best example of this. They they increased the minimum wage um, for I think it was uh, restaurant workers to up to fifteen dollars. Right, and there was a study conducted by the New York City Hospitality Alliance, and they surveyed five hundred and seventy-four restaurants, and they found that two thousand nineteen looks bleak, and that seventy-five percent of full-service establishments plan to cut employee hours, mm-hmm. and forty-seven percent will eliminate jobs entirely in response to the forced minimum wage hikes. Yeah, good yeah. news for the workers. There are there's, there's a there's the example <clears throat> of Seattle where they raised it to fifteen bucks an hour. I think they were the first a city to do so in the United States, and they claim that it hasn't resulted in higher unemployment. Now, I've seen articles arguing both sides of that. Um, I think, in in reality, if you're in a good economy already, like the US has been, say, for the last few years, and you do raise the minimum wage, it probably won't be much effect, right? But it's going to... when times get tough and the New York City restaurant scene is notoriously bad because there's so much competition. I mean, they they go out of business left, right and centre. But you're going to see... What's the first thing that happens? The first thing that happens is they don't, in a recession or when things get tough, you don't lay off workers immediately. You cut their hours. Mm. Right? And that's 
that hits the hip pocket. So any, okay, we got a wage increase, but now I've got less hours. Well, you know better off. You're probably worse off, and now your job's in jeopardy. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a here's a little thought experiment that I cooked up. So, what they're trying to do in Australia is the minimum wage is currently seven hundred and twenty bucks a week, which is about thirty seven thousand four hundred dollars a year, and <clears throat> you would pay about thirty seven hundred dollars in tax on that. Um, they want to increase that by eleven percent, which would come up to eight hundred fifty two bucks a week, forty four thousand three hundred dollars a year. And the tax on that's about five thousand nine hundred and fifty. It's almost six grand. So your net take home is about yeah. thirty eight three fifty five, which is about nine hundred dollars higher than the gross of the minimum wage now, which is thirty seven four hundred, as I said before. Now David Leinhelm's um, policy is to make. <clears throat> so he's the uh, he's he's a liberal Democrat, one of the small parties in Australia. And his his tax policy party. is to have a forty thousand dollars forty thousand dollar tax free threshold. So you pay no tax on your first forty thousand dollars. Now, if you brought that in, that would almost be the same as this wage increase. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it would you know it would put lots more money in people's pockets. Yeah, exactly. And everywhere. I think you know their their plan also is to. Decrease corporate income, uh, corporate taxes to I think it was twenty percent. Was yeah, twenty percent, and a flat twenty percent tax for individuals yeah. as well. I mean, it's, it's a much enormous better plan. boom. It's a much better plan. Uh, yeah. You know that people people would get more money uh, in their accounts, um, and businesses would have more money to, to employ more people. Yeah, and yeah, and exactly, and and people who are working on an hourly wage would get more hours. Yep. I mean, it, w- it would be a better solution. Yeah. Well, you know, but uh, you know, we're just trying to grab the, that's a hard sell for people though. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of things to um, try and sell people. And they're just going for the, they're going for the easiest option at the moment, which yeah. is just, you will get more money from us. Yeah. And they're trying to grab votes. Look at us. Um, we're giving you free money. Coming back to Seattle, um, Amazon who are based in Seattle, they, they recently went to fifteen dollars an hour, mm. um, in and, and in the same breath they removed a lot of holiday bonuses, which wasn't widely yeah. reported. So <laughs> pe- people were, you know, people were, were claiming how great Amazon was at, at, you know, having this, you know, living wage or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And at the same time, they then lobbied the U.S. government to make this law for all companies. Now, what do you think is going to happen if there's if it's mandated law across the entire U.S. that, that people have to pay fifteen dollars an hour? Mm. It's going to put small it's going to put small businesses out of business. Yeah, and it's going to make Amazon an even bigger monopoly. So it's a great. I mean, they can afford it. They you yeah. know they rake in billions of dollars. Yeah, but all it's doing is helping them create their own monopoly. Yep, yep. And the, the other thing that's not talked about is actually the Australian Labor Party used to talk about something called the ladder of opportunity. Mark Latham was about the last Labor leader who actually talked in these terms, which was the idea is that you get on the bottom rung, you know, so you, you're, you know, you're uh, sweeping away crap off tables or whatever. You're serving customers in some retail shop, but you're not going to stay there for the rest of your life. This, this is where uh, this whole um, conversation around income inequality goes off, off the reservation. Most people... And this, you can check the data at the Brookings Institute, which shows this. Most people, I'm talking 80%, don't stay in the bottom tax bracket, mm. the bottom quintile, as economists like to do at 20%, 20%. They they move up. It's called mobility. And mobility is pretty good in the US. So you, the idea, oh, look at these people. They haven't had a wage rise. They, their wages don't go up. Yeah, but they're not the same people. I try to drive this home, point home. It's like you 
going on a um, a diet program, an exercise program. So we get you in at the beginning and we, we take your weight and your blood, cholesterol, all of this stuff. And then... In a, in a year's time, we bring you in again to do the measurements. But actually, what you do is you send in your brother. You send in a different person because that's what people are doing when they say, oh, these people haven't had a wage rise in 10 years. They're not the same people because yeah. uh, 80% well, of them have moved out of that if category. You're still, if you're still clearing tables after 10 years, that's kind of on you, really. Yeah, it? some some people probably and, are. And but, some people are probably okay with that. And yeah. that's fine. But, you know, if you're... If, you know, you're all your life has moved towards not improving your skills and not improving your experience. I mean, yeah. it just generally means you're probably a crappy worker. I mean, if you if you if you work at McDonald's, I mean, I, I remember. Don't pe- disparage your current employer. <laughs> I, re- I remember future employer. <laughs> I remember people. I'm not going to disparage it, but I, I remember I people McDonald's. that I know who weren't bright at all, didn't do well at school. They worked hard at McDonald's, you know, they scooped fries into a container and then in a couple of years they were like assistant managers yeah, yeah, and they're managers and then, you know, it's a good living. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. You move, you move your way up. Well, here's the thing, you know, I, I run a business and I'm not going to pay an unskilled 18-year-old 20 bucks an hour. No, why would you? Because they, they won't produce $20 of an hour worth of, of money for me. They yeah. just won't. I will have to train them for six or 12 months Yeah, and I'm not going to do it. It's yeah. just, it's a bad deal for me. So, so I'm going to hire someone who has experience. Yeah. So all it does, this thing, all it does is it cuts out people with no skills, That's especially right. young people. Mm. So, you know, if we, we want young people to have a purpose in life and be able to make, uh, you know, a good future for themselves, increasing a minimum wage is a bad deal for them. Yeah. Well, especially when you can hire Gupta over in India for five bucks an hour. Hey, don't, don't disc Gupta. Gupta. Gupta, he he does good. No, work he's awesome. No, I that's exactly what I do. I hire people. You mm. know, I've got a guy in uh, India, and I've got a guy in Canada, and mm. you know, I pay them an hourly rate. I don't have to worry about superannuation. I don't have to worry about yeah. well, if I have to have three warnings, then I can sack them. It's no, if you know, I can pretty much your, ta- your tax office better not be listening to this podcast. Well, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's done. all legit. It's all legit. So mm. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's just I choose not to hire Australian people because it's a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah, there's too many regulations, and yeah. you know, I just yeah. So I don't know minimum wage. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's not a good idea. So what but... is the answer here? Is it learn to code? <laughs> well, you know that's not the worst thing you could possibly do. No. Yeah, it's definitely um, you know if you want to get a job, it's pretty much uh, that's the way to go. Yep. Is that what you're going to do? Or are you going to go? To I think I'm going to have to learn to code. I mean, yeah. I bought the t-shirt, learn to code. That's a start. Yeah, you need to wear it inside Some out. Some motivation. So you, can, you can see it yourself. Yeah. Or are you going to do the Kevin Spacey um, thing? What's that movie? American uh, what American was Pie. Yeah, not American Pie. That was the one where the dude had the he put his dick in a yeah in a pie. Yep. Yeah. No. What American Beauty? Oh right. Yeah. You know he he sort of has a midlife crisis, yeah. quits his job, and then he starts flipping burgers. Oh, again. I've already had the midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to start working at McDonald's? I don't know if they'd have me. They might. No, I'm. If you're I'm willing to work not... for eighteen dollars ninety three cents an hour. Yeah. It's What's probably it? still more than they want to pay anyone, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but at this point, like, so in two years' time, the minimum wage will be 44000 over $44,000 Australian, which is for people who aren't Australian, it's about $31,000 US. That's 44000 That's more, like, given given what's happened to my YouTube recently, that's going to be more than what I earn this year. Yeah, well, maybe you should stack <laughs> shelves at Coles. It's going to be more, you know. It's just, do you want to stack shelves for 40 hours a week? I mean, how are you going to feel about yourself? I don't know. Um, probably better than I feel right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
From Reuters.com, Virginia officials approve $51 million financial package for new Amazon headquarters. The company plans to invest approximately $2.5 billion in its Arlington HQ2 project. It expects to create more than 25,000 jobs and generate more than $3 billion in tax revenue. What do we make of this, Mick? Well, I mean, this is the uh, deal that uh, AOC helps scupper. So, mm. yay, socialism. A little That's, bit of egg on face. Just a, just a bit. Um, you know, it, in New York already had a mad, massive budget deficit shortfall. I yeah. mean, they had, this this year was about $2.3 billion, So that, that money would have been actually put New York in surplus. Um, and, well, Governor Andrew Cuomo, instead of blaming AOC, yeah. who led the whole thing, um, is trying to blame it on Trump. Uh, his his administration's tax reforms, um, which on the flip side have taxed the rich and may be encouraging wealthy residents to leave. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How that, dare that they tax it. the yeah. rich? Um, so interestingly, the, the reason the tax rules have actually changed under Trump and it stopped the rich from writing off their state taxes against their federal taxes to right. just $10,000. Um, and New York's obviously one of the highest, has one of the highest state taxes in, right. in the country. So... What's happened is that a lot of New Yorkers are just leaving. Rich New Yorkers are leaving the state. Ta-ta. And um, that's obviously affected the um, the budget and the tax the tax revenues. And uh, but here's the thing: in 2017, before the 10k write-off wasn't in effect, New York actually had a budget deficit of 4.4 billion. Yeah. So it's really just a just another case of government spending way too much money. Well, New York's had uh, sort of checkered history, hasn't it? In the, in the 70s, it was bankrupt. The city was actually bankrupt. Um, it was a shitty place. A shitty place. And then through the, 80s, through the 80s, I remember New York was the crime capital uh, mm. when crime peaked in the late 80s. Yep. And then there was a kind of renaissance and people, <clears throat> depends what part of the political spectrum you're on, but you know they want to say that it was... Um, who was he? The the uh, Giuliani. Giuliani yep. cleaned up crime, all the rest of it. Blah blah blah. Who who's knows? Now, who's now Trump's personal lawyer? Just, yeah. No. <laughs> so you know, New York's had this history of uh, you know economic ups and downs. But AOC, I mean, she was this populist uprising. I mean, what what strikes me as odd is the kind of protests against it. Like, oh, Amazon is basically slave labor. Yeah, that's what that that's what some of the the objections are. Oh, it's basically slavery. These they work these people so hard for these. It's like again, we're back to that same ladder of opportunity. Who are you to deny? What sort of condescending snobbery is it to say someone who doesn't have a job but can now get paid whatever it is? I don't know, ten bucks an hour working in an Amazon factory and like and that's beneath them. I love that. It's the same. I don't know if you remember in the late 90s, the whole Naomi Klein, no logo, the sweatshop movement, you know, against sweatshops in Asia. You know how, oh, they're paying them a dollar an hour for this horrible 10-hour day in a sweatshop. What what they all left out of that equation was that people would line up around the block to try and get these jobs. They would bribe officials so that they could get their brother a job at these factories. Why? Because the alternative was... Walking, uh, you know, wading through a swamp trying to find something to sell on a second-hand market. You know? <laughs> wading through a swamp. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a true story. I mean, yeah. uh, this is the thing that gets left out. Yes, it may be beneath you, middle-class, educated Western mm. person, but for for poor people, people who don't have opportunities, people who don't have an education. Yeah, you know, that's, it's that's a job. Their, it's their step up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and I think there's there's been an effect of this in her own state. I mean, she's you know her. 
Um, I think a recent poll came out that 31% of registered voters in the state view her favorably, while 44% have an unfavorable view. That's that's pretty. Yeah, and that's you know her her ratings are going down. Yeah, people are people are upset about. Well, it. because they're starting. Yeah, they're but... seeing through her bullshit basically. Yeah, and the, yeah. and the more she talks, <laughs> the worse it gets. Yeah, because yeah, she just says so many dumb things. I mean, we we talked about last time the grilling of. The Wells Fargo <laughs> executive about yeah, why they allowed the a pipeline to be built. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. crazy stuff. There's some interesting um, opposition, even where in Virginia to this thing. There was a small. I mean, this is how the media phrased it. Um, there was some strong opposition from well, amid a small but vocal opposition. Uh, so you know, it's probably like ten people with placards. Um, there was strong opposition from some residents and labor groups, many of them whom chanted shame and waved signs with slogans, including don't be the opposite of Robin Hood. So what they, they like Robin Hood. They like the fact that he steals. Yeah. Um, and Amazon overworks and underpays and advocate for us and not Amazon. Well, no, they don't underpay because they pay $15 an hour, which is more than the mandated minimum wage. Yeah, I think, it, what is it, seven twenty? I don't know what it something. is. In, yeah. Different for different states. Yeah, but yeah. Um, One protester was escorted out of the meeting by police. I mean, these people are just yeah, morons. Well, it's just, it's just, it's just yeah, look, um, <clears throat> Amazon has this, you know, let's not, um, you know. Why are these people against jobs? The, Why are well, they against creating jobs that's the thing i mean the thing is yes amazon has this massive amount of power because they they can go into a state and sort of pretty much write their own deal right hmm. but i mean there's upside here for everyone it's not just it's not crushing people's dreams yeah but these twenty-five thousand jobs were not just stocking shelves these no. were engineers and yeah you know sales and marketing i mean these are probably fairly high paid jobs yeah yeah um yeah, I saw a Times Square billboard, which uh, which was made by the Job Creators Network. I guess they're a conservative group, but it said, uh, thanks for nothing, AOC. And then it said, hey, AOC, this billboard cost about $4,000, but you cost New York 25,000 jobs and $4 billion in annual lost wages. Ouch. <laughs> it's, just a, it's beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful point. I mean, I, I there's one thing I sort of agree with AOC on. Um, one thing <laughs> there's not much I agree with her on um, but I do sort of tend to agree with her that you know governments really shouldn't be getting involved in any of this stuff yeah. they shouldn't be handing out subsidies they shouldn't be helping one company at the expense of another mm-hmm. they should just be staying out of it and let competition drive yeah, yeah. you know what's going on um, you know if states want to subsidise companies well that's up to them yeah. but at least there needs to be some competition on it um, yeah, I just, you know, we see that in Australia a lot with, you know, well, certain industries this. being protected and... Picking you know. winners and losers. Yeah. The government has no expertise in this area. No. And and, and a track record of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So, you know, I mean, all the governments really need to do is just reduce taxes and reduce regulation. And, you yeah. know, companies and entrepreneurship will... Let them have at it. You know, it'll flourish. And that's happened Look at a our... few times in history it's happened, but, you know, <laughs> it, it definitely does happen. Um, and we actually discuss it in our soon-to-be-released Sweden episode. Yeah. Uh, exactly that. Oh, that's a teaser. Oh, it's a teaser. Yeah. You know, when you reduce tax and reduce regulation, per capita wealth increases. Yep. It happens every single time. Mm-hmm. But it's just the governments just want to get involved and they want to, they want, you know, they want these populist votes. And um, look, look at our in- energy industry is the perfect example. It's mm-hmm. just an absolute shit show. You've got um, subsidies flowing from coal to um, renewables. But then on the flip side of that, the government also grants 
sort of favours for, you know, say the Adani project. I mean, I say... Which is a, which is a giant mine that's going to be up alongside yeah. the Great Barrier Reef. Or... And I'm glad it's getting built. Uh, I mean, I'm glad it's going to produce jobs for Queenslanders and we need coal and coal's our... Is it our biggest export? It's close one to one of, of our yeah. biggest exports. I mean, that it's great. And, uh, serial murderers. But, I mean, the, the government should just say no subsidies for anyone. It's a free and open market. Yeah. Have at it. Exactly. Just deregulate it and reduce tax. And, you know, the yep. companies will they'll work out the ways to, to get shit yep. done. And if renewables are less expensive, yeah, they'll win then out. they'll win out. Yeah. Um, they won't need subsidies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I was listening. Uh, I was listening to some economists the other day saying that this, you know, talking about the Green New Deal and how mm-hmm. they want everyone to go to renewables and they want countries like Australia to stop selling coal to India. Yeah. I was like, well, what are the people in India going to do? Yeah, they're not going to suddenly just go out and buy a bunch of solar panels and put them on their roofs. They're going to go back to what they did before, which was burning wood and cow yeah. dung, which is infinitely worse. <laughs> I've heard infinitely worse for the uh, for the environment than than burning coal. Well, this is another. We should do a whole show on this, which is. Um, I think, change? I think, yeah. Well, Bjorn Longborg's solution is, I think, is the best. Which they take an economist approach and they rank order all the problems in the world and how you can spend money effectively. And you know, it comes down to this: that when you do that, if you do it on a world basis, climate change as a problem doesn't actually rank that high. It's not even in the top ten. I mean, there are other, they're bigger fish to fry, like people starving and dying of diseases that we you know, got rid of 100 years ago in the West, in, mm. in places like Africa and some other places. You can spend more money to affect lives and improve lives way better. And part of that is giving, getting people cheap electricity in places, yeah. which relies on coal. Sorry. That's how you drag people out of poverty. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've only got 12 years to live, though. Yeah. So, you know, until the world ends because of climate change. Yeah. Which yeah. is what Al Gore said in 1999. He said by 2010, entire islands will disappear yeah, and they'll be flooded. It's like, well, what's that? It's the thing. I mean, they, these people seem to have no ability to go back and go, yeah, we were wrong about that. So maybe I want to be a little bit more circumspect with respect to yeah. our future predictions. I mean, do you think the big bowl of energy in the sky actually has more effect on climate change than, you know, us little peons yeah. down below? Yeah, I mean, it's well, just... let's let's try it. Let's uh, blow up the sun and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Castbox. And if you like what we do, please leave us a review as it helps to spread the word.